0: It's a miracle. We have made it through the darkest of nights. Thanks to all of our patrons, but especially Hedwig and Carlo, welcome to 2020 fun.
1: Hello and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil.
0: And paper, today's probably bad RPG idea is... An urban fantasy campaign where, in the end, it turns out the supernatural doesn't actually exist. I thought we would start 2021 with this one because it's the first ever probably bad post.
1: This is the one that is responsible for all of the things you're hearing right now. It has a
2: whole 24 notes. But I
0: do really like it as a kind of, it feels kind of obvious at this point, but the idea that it's like a very sort of paranoia kind of thing. But mm. it's it's like, oh, these guys are vampires, we need to take them out, we'll kill them all, and then you kill them all, and they were just guys.
1: Like, it turns out most things will die if you put a stake through their heart. Like, that's not like a vampire Like, you, you thing. just
0: stab some emos. Mm. It's, that's nothing.
1: You've successfully like purged the goth population. Like, do you think my interpretation when I originally made it was you show up at like the head vampire's lair for the final battle, and that's when it turns out this has all been an elaborate prank? (laughs) Like, just all your friends have got together to convince you that magic is real and you're a sorcerer?
0: It Call of Cthulhu, but gaslighting.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's probably a more accurate term than prank, at the point at which you're convincing someone they've been possessed by Lucila.
0: But there is also... I feel like there's something in the idea of a fantasy game that gradually transitions into a sci-fi game. Yeah. Which... Just the idea of like there's all these spooks and spirits, but they're actually aliens, which I'm now realizing is multiple Doctor Who episodes. Mike, I think But it's a strong concept.
1: Yeah, to be fair, most of the times I've heard that, it's in a more traditional fantasy sense. I've not seen many of them um, either it's in traditional fantasy sense or it, like with Doctor Who, we've already established that it's alien. Mm. And I've not really seen like the equivalent where it's an urban fantasy there are vampires and, weird and so forth going around and then it reveals it to their aliens so I've seen that in high fantasy where it's like oh there's magical items slowly discover that they're actually alien technology but I don't think I've seen the same thing with um with the with more occult kind of urban fantasy horror supernatural
0: mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it could be quite a fun twist on, like, a Changeling game. Yeah. But, like, it's not the realm of Fae, it's another planet with different mm. rules.
1: Yeah, you could definitely do something with, like, fairy magic. And it turns out that fairies are actually aliens. Because, I mean, there's a lot of crossover in, like, fairy stories and UFO-ology anyway.
0: Mm. And there is the sufficiently advanced technology rule. Yeah.
1: Only sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from a contrived rip off of the world of darkness setting. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's called. You convin you tell your peop your players that they're playing werewolf. They just play it completely straight until the point at which they're about to transform into a werewolf and then nothing happens
2: because werewolves aren't real.
0: I like that, like they just they genuinely believe from the beginning that this thing is real and then it's just
1: You're bitten no, you just, by like you just need a rabies a shot. huge unnatural looking wolf <laughs> under the full moon and you start feeling the serious change in your body and come come the next full moon you keel over dead from rabies. And that that's the campaign. Uh, give your players rabies yeah. I think is like what we're coming up with here. <laughs> yeah. We're slowly escalating from I mean, from that just does fit our pattern. To, your game ...to wipe out your game group and go to jail.
0: Yeah, I just... My brain keeps coming back to Call of Cthulhu as an elaborate gaslight narrative, though. Mm. Like, it would have to be done very, very carefully. But yeah. But I feel like it could be a really interesting story of, with, like, mm. sort of the upper-class brainwashing the mm. The players who would be more sort of
2: mm.
0: middle to, to like yeah. upper working class um, yeah, like, yeah. into being like no, you have to do the things we say, otherwise the creature from the deep will get you and then halfway through you realize what was what's happening and then you kill all of the posh people yeah
1: like you can you, I feel you could do a legitimate horror based around the monsters aren't real you're. Being elaborately deceived into monsters being real.
2: Like, yeah, because there's. I
1: mean, going back, like, sort of going back to Doctor Who, or Torchwood, because obviously we all want to talk about Torchwood. Like, there was that yeah. episode of, of that where it's like they go to this town hunted by monsters, and it turns out it's just sort of the town, people in charge of the town who are killing people. I can't quite remember the exact plot, but. Yeah, like, the idea that monsters have been misinterpreted, like, the idea of people using monsters as a cover-up for their crime and using gaslighting deception to get people to, like, do what they want with the sort of fear of monsters. There's definitely, like, a horror story there.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like the one good episode of Sherlock was the Hound of the Baskervilles one where, like, he thought it was a big ghost dog and it was actually a government conspiracy. Basically, just
1: take any world of darkness like um, Sourcebook, but right, but it was actually a government conspiracy at the end of it.
2: That's, that's our idea. Do you have a sort of. Do you have a right.
1: Ah. Sorry, there's someone at the door. The government is aware that you're onto them. Yeah. Well, Paper gets their. Um gets their parcel, allow me to give you a nice song. Do 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 bonus Patreon content.
2: Doing a little podcast to myself. Yeah, like
1: the sort of other sort of way I can see going with it would be a more kind of I guess cryptozoology sense. Where there are genuinely like other creatures out there, but the thing is yeah, discovering that they're not supernatural and are in fact just undiscovered life forms.
0: Hmm. I like that. Like Mothman is real, but he's actually hmm. just a really big Moth.
1: Like sort of, yeah, like there is there are other humanoid species as well as Homo sapiens running around. And it sounds like a demystification
0: mm. game. That is a monster of the mm. week that I want to be like a part you of. Like, get all
1: supernatural stuff and it's like, okay, so it can't actually shapeshift because that's ridiculous. So we're just going to go looking for, like, some kind of humanoid wolf creature. And this is just...
0: I feel like... You could maybe make Bigfoot a yeah. werewolf. The same thing, like it's a it's a big hairy man. So
1: yeah, I, like I agree with you.
0: That's that's my new cryptozoology theory. Yeah, Bigfoot I mean, is a werewolf. Like it I, I, I think me it's wrong. It's a good idea,
1: but also I love the idea of big hairy man as a supernatural creature. These are the these are like the four core world of darkness <laughs> books: of werewolf, vampire, mages, and big hairy men. <laughs> <laughs> Big Hairy Men, The
2: Baroning.
0: I'd play it. But then we know I ran a yeah. Feast of Legends game and therefore have no taste in RPGs.
1: Yeah, I feel like, yeah, if paper says that they will play it, that is possibly a criticism of your RPG.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like when I say I'll watch a film, you need, to, you need mm. to take it with a big pinch of has willingly watched plan mine from outer space about five times.
1: Yes. Um so I feel before we go into like planning the factions of the big hairy men RPG. They include live in the woods and like shave except on a full moon. Um
0: <laughs> hmm, the narrates. I believe we have questions. Hi, I'm Hazel, and I make a podcast with Liz called Bread and Thread, which you might enjoy if you are a fan of food or clothes or other interesting parts of domestic history. We find out interesting facts about things like regional foods, ancient breeds of sheep, um, pretty much anything domestic history. So if you'd like to know why it's illegal to import a sheep into Iceland, and what was presented by Queen Victoria to Harriet Tubman? Then you might want to check out Bread and Thread. Find us at Bread and Thread on Twitter,
2: or find us everywhere podcasts exist. <laughs> yes, um, if
0: if you have a question, you can email. Um, I forgot the email. <laughs> You can email, email uh, what is what is email? Isn't it just probably bad podcast? Yes. Um if you have a question you can email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. Um or messages on Tumblr at probably bad rpg ideas. Um so the first question, these are all anonymous. First question is how to find a D and D group? Wrong answers only.
1: Terminally.
2: Explain. No. <laughs> find your RPG group
1: terminally. I feel like the best way to do it is you take a copy of um, Volo's Guide to Monsters and you just leave it in a bear trap.
2: And then you just sit and watch from the woods.
0: Ah, uh, but what if, what if the person flicks the book out of the bear trap with a stick, or are they then too wily to play with? Because they'll solve all your puzzles too fast.
1: Like, the thing is, it's sort of testing their puzzle-solving ability. So if they're caught by the bear trap, then you don't invite them to your group. But if they think to bring a 10-foot pole every single place they go in case there's a the bear trap, then you know that they're suited for d I like it.
0: I think
2: this is build. Feel-
1: Sorry. There you go. I think this is building towards build an actual dungeon full of traps and monsters, which I guess in this context are just angry animals put in your dungeon. And anyone That's
0: who... Men.
1: <laughs> fill, a tr- fill, a, fill a like Fill your basement with fair traps and angry men. And, like, anyone who survives going into your basement gets to be in your D&D camera.
0: So, this is Terminally. This is. <laughs> this is
2: Saw. Yeah. I mean, like, the Saw movies got weird. I can see a DD theme. um, Dormant.
0: What you do is you go into your local game shop with some small tracking devices. You just slip them into people's pockets and then you can find them wherever you are. You can always find a D&D group.
1: The best part is you don't have to tell them they're a D&D group. They can just be sitting there, like, you know, reading a book and then you just climb in through their window holding uh, character sheets. Hello, it's RPG time.
0: You ring up five consecutive phone numbers and say hey, guys, you want to play a D&D? You get... And if they say no, then, you know, you need to pick some different phone numbers, because these ones suck. I mean, there's
1: plenty of phone numbers.
0: Yeah, they're theoretically infinite. Mm.
1: You get on a bus, and you put a bomb on the bus so that if the bus goes below 50 miles an hour, it explodes. And then we're like, okay, we're stuck on this bus journey for a while. Who wants to pass the time with a game of D&D?
2: The bus goes below 50 dice rolls an hour. So,
0: I feel like what you're basically saying is find the tackiest film you can, and then copy it, and then play D&D with the survivors. Yes, it perhaps, like, it perhaps sort of indicates my point that I...
1: Only know that the 50 miles an hour bus thing is a film reference and not what film it is to. Like, I only know it as a reference. And, yeah, so I feel that's just choose the worst reference to the worst film you can. And recruit the survivors.
0: Go and throw a ball around on the roof with a guy named Mark. And whoever comes up to join you is your D&D group. Hmm.
1: I think with, with the room, with a room reference, I think that's the sign it's now time to move on to our next question, which is also anonymous. How do you know when a sandbox campaign is over?
0: When the cat shits in it.
1: I hope that was a help.
0: I'm sorry. Campaign.
1: I hope that was a help.
0: I, I had to get it out,
1: you know? Like, I think generally, if there's nothing left for the players to kill, then the sandbox game is over.
0: So you're saying the, the game can just keep going until everyone on the planet is dead? Yeah.
1: Like based on the sandbox campaigns opening, the general role is to like the players destroy everything. Like if there's anything in the setting left unseduced and slash or unburnt down, then the game's still going. But, like, to give an actual answer, I think with sandbox game, it really is just a case of until people stop having fun.
0: Yeah, because I, f- I feel like running a sandbox game is basically all about just placing various mm. threads in front of your players. And they'll follow some and leave some. And you can like escalate some of them or just say that they resolve themselves. And it basically finishes when all of those threads are tied up. Mm. Like, yeah, I think it's
1: basically, do you feel that there's more you can do in this world? And does it look like your players are interested in doing more in this world?
2: Which isn't, um, which is very vague, but you didn't go to this podcast with good advice.
0: Yeah, I think (laughs) it's basically either the players stop playing or you run out of ideas.
1: Which I guess you could argue is the point at which any campaign ends.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of campaigns end before the end, if you get what Mm. I mean, just because, like, scheduling
2: happens. Mm.
0: It's. This is making me a little bit sad.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's an issue.
1: I mean. Yeah, I think it's the campaigns are like. I think mean, this one of our sandbox campaigns is like a big campaign. It's like it's a lot easier to end a sandbox campaign if it's clear the game's not working, or at least it's a lot lo- a- easier to do it satisfyingly than it is to end a, like planned campaign.
0: Yeah, it's like I I run a campaign for the group that pencils in which. It went from, like, I think level 3 to level 13 or something like that. And, like, I think we all wanted to do more with it, but it just felt like, yes, this is where these characters have ended up. This is where this world has ended up. Mm. So the campaign stopped.
1: Yeah. I think it's always important, and it's something I have I, I have problem with, like, my kids is not to try and push the campaign past the point that the story is over. Mm. Like, don't do a supernatural, I
2: guess. Yeah.
0: But I think you can tell we're recording this at the end of 2020. We're just getting very, like, introspective.
1: I think the important thing is, like, to... Accepts the collapse of society Build a little hold and lie there and cry
0: I mean there is very much a
2: feeling of loss When a big campaign finishes It's weird
0: But then you get to start a new campaign And if you're lucky enough to have a group With more than one DM in it You get to play instead of running the game for a bit while you come up with another big game that will make you very happy and then sad when it ends. It's it's the circle yeah. of dice.
1: So to answer your question, accept the impermanency of role-playing games. Acknowledge that all things pass. Everything has a time and everything has an ending. And that leads us to our last question, which is also anonymous. None of you have identities, presumably because it's twenty twenty. What's a character you never got a chance to play?
0: Oh, God, so many. I have a problem where I make D&D characters when I'm sad.
1: Yeah, mine would be a competent version of
0: myself. You've definitely played that. Because have- Nick ran a campaign where we all played basically just competent versions of ourselves with magic powers.
1: I mean, actually, I don't think I was in that one. So, no, I have never been a competent
0: version. Oh, no!
1: (laughs) But, yeah, I think... What characters have I never played? I tried making a character for Noblest, and that landed a problem when I was making a character for Noblest.
0: That is an issue.
1: Um, I think it was like... When I was trying to do like, what was I doing? I can't remember. This is a very unhelpful answer, and I realise that as I'm saying this, you're probably like doing a reverse subscription to the Patreon where you take money off us once per month. But <laughs> so, paper, you have characters.
0: Um, I think the one that I'm I sort of think about most is probably. I made a little gnome wizard whose name was Bimp because it was one of the names in the book. Um, and she was this little old lady that was basically a quack doctor. And she went from town to town with her friends selling just fake medicine and being a general con artist. But we only really got one session because, you know, things happen. But I I really want to bring her back and just be a a tiny little (laughs) sleazy, tiny little sleazy con artist again. It's an
2: amazing name.
0: Yeah, I just kind of grabbed it out of the book because I didn't know anything about the setting. She she didn't like her name, though. She just went by B. I
1: mean, that's what I'm calling any children I have. Like, you know, either in terms of being a parent of or just like looking after for an afternoon.
0: Noted.
1: I, I will name all your children if nothing. I don't think that was the name. I think I'm just devolving into gnomish gibberish.
0: Each of them just gets a different gnomish gibberish name, so you can still tell them apart. What? Children are
1: basically gnomes.
0: They're small, they like to fiddle with things. And they're, yeah. and they're magic. And some of them live in the forest. Yeah,
1: Gnomes are just children which have been released into the woods. Gnomes <laughs> are just free-range children.
0: You're aware that feral children are a thing, yeah, right? No- are you saying yeah. gnomes are just feral human yeah. children?
1: Yeah. The Feral human children have learned to make ridiculous hats. <laughs> And that's where gnomes come from.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, I do just have a whole list, though. Like, I have this one character I really want to play who is a sad dad. Like, you know, the video game trope of the sad yeah. dad. Um, He's a... I think it's called the Way of the Drunken Master monk. Um, because he's a sad dad and drinks all the time. Yeah, that's. And cool. he also has eight knives. Like his weapons are his fists and his knives and his sadness. And I haven't even got to play one session with him, and I really want to. I want to. I want to put him in some like big campaign arc. He doesn't even have a name. I just
2: he's called Knife Dad, and I love him. Does he need a
1: name? I would play a video game that's just knife dad. It's like a it's like a Mario thing where like you have like dozens of children and they've each been kidnapped by a different like monster and you are drunken knife dad. You used to go stab them. I'm laughing because I realised it's not I, a I Mario think knife plot dad at all. Is
0: a monster factory thing, but I, I made know. this guy a while ago, and I just. I don't know, I've, yeah. I've been in a couple of campaigns that have started since then, it just hasn't quite fitted. I need, yeah. I need the right moment for Knife Dad to really shine. Yeah. Like What you need to do
1: is you originally make another character, and then at the point where which dramatically convenient, oh. they pull off their I mask, I make another, another the character,
0: they die, and then my next character is Knife Dad, who's that character's dad.
2: Hmm.
0: And then if Knife Dad dies, is Knife Granddad? It's just Knife Dad all the way down. And then
1: Knife Great Granddad, <laughs> who's a ghost. Knife, knife Great Granddad is like just a knife floating in the air being held by a ghost.
0: That would be a, would be a good excuse to play a revenant. Like, all of look. my line have been killed, so I'm back from the dead to avenge them. Unless mm.
1: well, should have like, you kill this guy, and then, like, another revenant, revenant pops up, and you kill that Revenant, and then another Revenant pops up to avenge the first Revenant.
0: Are they all slightly bigger each time, like Russian dolls?
1: Yeah. Each of them has, like, one more knife than the last
0: one. Well, you, you might have killed me. Johnny Three Knives But have you met my dad Johnny Four (laughs) Knives I like this like
2: reverse surname thing they have
0: (laughs) It's a nickname They're all called Stabbington
2: (laughs) Obviously
1: Yes, to answer your your question Johnny Four Knives Stabbington Which is my answer to all questions from now on.
0: On that note, I
1: think think that's about as much like stabbings as we can fit into a podcast.
0: So thank you for listening. Um, As Pencil said, we do have a Patreon, uh, probably Bad RPG Ideas. If you want uh, bonus episodes, homebrew... Um, access to a Discord server where we do sometimes play games. Largely based on probably bad RPG ideas. The last one was great fun.
1: We don't, I'm afraid, have the anti-patreon where you get money from us.
0: No. Um. But yeah, we have that and the email which I did remember eventually because it's just probably bad podcast. I am very tired. It is the 20th of December 2020. It's been a year, you guys. But you'll be listening to this in 2021, where maybe things will be slightly better, maybe?
1: Or like, this, that's when
2: the aliens invade. One of the two. Um, so, have a
0: good year, but have, have a probably, probably bad, bad day. day.
2: Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. do 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 dududu dududu dududu